Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to John, the 17th chapter, verses 20 to 26. I will be reading from the common English version of the Bible, the version that we now give to our confirmation students as they learn and grow in faith. Listen for God's holy word. Jesus said, I'm not praying only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of their word. I pray that they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they also will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they can be one, just as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they will be made perfectly one. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me where I am. Then they can see my glory, which you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, even the world didn't know you, but I have known you, and these believers know that you sent me. I've made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that your love for me will be in them and I myself will be in them. Friends, this is a prayer, a Savior's prayer, the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Be good, take care of yourself, have fun, mind your manners, work hard, make good decisions, learn a lot, be careful, call if you need something, and remember, I love you. Those are the kinds of things we say when someone we love is departing, when someone we love is leaving. We give our last minute instructions for what the other should do after we have left. When I was growing up, I heard some of these from my parents. I say several of these to my daughters before I leave them with a babysitter or I leave for a trip with the youth. I remember saying many of these to Amelia before leaving her at camp for the very first time. And I suspect that each of you has said these or similar words to children, friends, spouses, loved ones. With these words and those like it, we entrust the future well-being of that loved one to him or herself. This past week has been full of graduations, and this morning we recognized and celebrated the 2019 graduating class. Each of them have already departed and will be departing. They've departed high school, departed the halls and the walls that they have embodied for years. They are leaving for something new. Some will move away to school, some will stay home for school, some will take paths that lead them near and far in many different ways. So many goodbyes are taking place and words of farewell will be offered. Be good, take care of yourself, have fun and mind your manners, work hard, make good decisions, learn a lot, be careful, call if you need something. And remember, I love you. It would be easy to hear today's gospel as Jesus departing instructions to his disciples, and that would make sense. 
This gospel reading comes to us from the words from the Last Supper. Jesus knows that he is soon leaving. He will soon be crucified and the disciples will have to find their way without his physical presence. So why not take this moment to give some last minute instructions about how the disciples are to act, what they should do, the way they should treat each other. That is what we do for one another. But that's not what we see in the passage this morning. Jesus approaches his departure in a different way. Jesus does not just say farewell and wish his disciples well. He does not entrust the future of the disciples to themselves. Be good, mind your manners. Instead, what we read in our gospel this morning is Jesus entrusting the future of the disciples to God. His words are not departing instructions, but a departing prayer. The disciples are God-entrusted, not self-entrusted. Today's gospel is not a conversation between Jesus and the disciples that he is soon leaving, but a prayer from Jesus to God the Father. And through this passage, we overhear Jesus' word for them and Jesus' prayer for us. His prayer isn't for the disciples' benefit or for our benefit only, but for the benefit of the world. Jesus prays so that the world may believe our unity becomes the sacramental presence of God in the world. Our oneness continues the embodiment of God in human flesh and in life. This unity is not something that we do or we create. Jesus does not tell the disciples to be nice to each other or to get along, to eliminate their differences, or to agree upon a common plan or purpose. He doesn't prescribe tolerance, uniformity, unanimity, or consensus. We are not the recipients of instructions, but the subject and beneficiary of Jesus' prayer. Jesus prays three times for oneness, that they may all be one, that they may be one, that they may be completely one. The oneness for which Jesus prays is modeled on the unity of the Father and Jesus of their shared life. He prays that we would be completely one as he and the Father are one. His prayer here echoes the ancient Jewish prayer, the Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. That Jesus is praying to the Father for our oneness rather than giving instructions means that unity is of and is from God. It's not something we do or create. It is the very life and being of God. We do not establish the unity, but we participate in it and manifest it to the world, the already existing oneness of God. So as we travel on paths that take us near and far, we too receive this prayer for unity. And this doesn't mean we can sit back and wait for God to answer Jesus' prayer. We overhear this prayer as a message for us. We too have a part in receiving this and responding. Our oneness must take tangible and visible form 
if it is to show the world the invisible and spiritual life of the presence of God. In some ways, our relationship to God and one another become the answer to Jesus' prayer. Our lives, our relationships with one another are to be outward and visible signs of God's inward and invisible presence. We can become and live this, however, only when we know ourselves to be God-entrusted rather than self-entrusted. That means our life comes not from ourselves, but from God. That's what allowed Jesus to choose the cross. That's why he prayed rather than instructed. It's how we become one as Jesus and the Father are one. Puritan pastor and nonconformist Thomas Watson wrote, There is but one God, and they that serve him should be one. There is nothing that would render the true religion more lovely than to see the professors of it tied together with the heartstrings of love. If God be one, let all that profess him be of one mind and one heart and thus fulfill Christ's prayer that they all may be one. I love that quote. There's nothing that would render the true religion more lovely than to see those who know it and teach it and live it to be tied together with the heartstrings of love. What a lovely image of the unity of the body of Christ in love. Jesus commanded us to go out into the world to serve, to make disciples, to care for the broken and lonely, to clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit the imprisoned, and free the captives. Easy peasy. Right now, when you hear that, some instructions as to how to do all of these things would be really helpful. But because I consider myself just like Jesus, I don't have any. Jesus didn't give any, so how could I have something to give? There isn't a list. I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you where to begin looking. This oneness exists at the intersection of our love for God and our love for each other. It is the intersection of the vertical axis and the horizontal axis. Unity becomes cross-shaped. The point of the intersection is, according to John's gospel, the hour of Christ's glory, the preeminent image of a God-entrusted life. That's where we find our oneness, and that's what can change the world. So this morning we gave crosses to our graduating seniors, and each of them included a small card with a message about that cross. And the message inside the envelope ends with, may you have hope and faith in the times to come to be open and guided by God's love. Each time we live with a God-entrusted understanding of ourselves and our calling as a disciple of Christ, boundaries soften. Divisions are not as deep and relationships reconcile. Each time we take a step toward a God-entrusted understanding of ourselves and let go of that self-entrusted life, we move forward into oneness. 
when in love for God and each other, we surrender our self-entrusted life to a God-entrusted life, we embody God's answer to Jesus' prayer, and we are one as Jesus and the Father are one. In that moment, we have, as I once heard say, we have met the glory of God, and that glory is us. So when we depart from one another, instead of be good, instead of mind your manners and work hard, instead of make good decisions and learn a lot and call if you need something, instead of the words we hear in so many graduating speeches, let's say instead, go with God, be open and guided by God's love, be the professor of faith. Tie your heartstrings with one another in service to your brothers and sisters and know that there is one who goes before you and prays for you. Seek that oneness. Relish in that oneness. Find strength in the unity of the body of Christ. But as we say goodbye to this class of students, we can keep the last one the same. Remember, we love you. Amen.